Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. There's a fine line between genius and insanity, and we're walking it. It's the Marketing Madhouse. I'm Moira Vetter, your host for Marketing Madhouse. My guest today is Laura Trotter, the CMO of U.S. Information Solutions for Equifax. USIS is what everyone says. Um, We're going to be talking about the critical role of content to strategic B2B marketing, an area of passion for us both. Before we get into the thick of content, um, tell us a little bit about your uh, background in business. How, How did you get into marketing? I am one of those weird birds that knew that I wanted to do marketing yeah. from a very early, not only early age, but I knew mm-hmm. when I was going into to, to college, right. to undergrad. This is it. Yeah. yeah. So with the exception of a short stint in sales, mm-hmm. right when I graduated, because I couldn't find a job that paid well mm-hmm. right out of whenever I graduated, which mm-hmm. was a long time ago, mm-hmm. um, I've been, you know, lucky to be involved in various roles in marketing you know throughout my entire career well and hats off to you for the uh the sales stint because Mm -hmm. i think that i I was also a salesperson very early in my career and i think it just it it adds a dimension of context and what's real on the front line you know to marketing that a lot of people don't ever you know understand because they haven't been in those shoes to try to sell something. That's right. There is nothing like uh, being a quota-carrying salesperson um, in terms of, you know, when you're now on the marketing side, especially in B2B, you know, marketing, mm-hmm. um, in terms of having that empathy. <laughs> so I have a question. So so you don't often hear people say, I knew what I wanted to do. Right? A lot of times mm-hmm. you hear that I didn't, had no idea and I yeah. started to do some things and, and then it revealed itself. But what... How did you know? What what happened to you? What was the thing that you yeah. were like, this is so I was taking just general business mm-hmm. in, in undergrad, and I had a professor um, who was teaching a class on consumer behavior, mm-hmm. and I just really loved that class. And then he subsequently got me involved in a marketing scholars program when we did a project for HBO mm-hmm. and a local uh, was a local uh, retail. Um, women's clothing uh, company that I can't remember the name of, but it was like we were studying the impact of music on uh-huh. consumer behavior, and I was like, no, that's interesting. I love this. Yeah. This is yeah, great. Totally. Yeah. Well, and for anybody listening that is in academia, uh, you know, d- don't underestimate the number of that's times right. you hear, I had a professor that, right? That's, it's, I, I'm involved with KSU's marketing board, and, you know, you really do see the impact that people, you know, have in, 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 in academia. Um, so let's jump over to our, our first subject, which is content. So, you know, you often hear content is king or queen. We'll say queen here. Um, but talk to me about how content features into B2B marketing. I think it is arguably the most important element of B2B marketing. Unlike direct-to-consumer marketing where, you know, the the buyer's journey, if you will, mm-hmm. is relatively pretty short. Right. Most of the time, you know, a a B2B buyer's journey takes months. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. you have to be serving up information at various stages of, you know, of a a buyer's journey Mm -hmm. to ultimately purchase your product. And so making sure and identifying that single topic that you can use um, as a thought leadership 
at the thought leadership level, but then also later, you know, further into the funnel is absolutely critical. I have a, this is uh, off topic and we didn't prep on this, but yeah. I'm curious, you know, to to us, you know, working on very long sales cycle, we, we know it's a long journey, but I find that people that are earlier in their career, they have been exposed in their education to you tell them about a Coke product and the person buys the Coke product, right? right. And it is a very short consideration cycle and a purchase. How do, how do you educate your team on that long sales cycle and, and the importance of all those touches with that content? I think it starts with making sure that you have good personas um, mm-hmm. developed, knowing your customer mm-hmm. and understanding their problems that they have and the how your solutions can help address those problems. Mm-hmm. It really starts there because once you understand the complexity of the problems and then you start factoring in the complexity of having to kind of onboard the solution and maybe the cost of the solution, you realize that it's not the same thing as going into your local grocery store and buying a Mm Coca-Cola. You know, and something interesting there when you're talking about the personas that, you know, something that we often say is that we're we're putting market before marketing, right? Really want to understand the market and that consumer behavior. But, you know, back to the to the sales and the marketing thing there, your marketing journey is different than their buying journey. right? Right. And and so often I think. You know, sometimes people come in and they say, you know, we want customers to know all these things about us. And therefore, here is our content map, which has nothing to do with how people consider or understand or, you know, prepare to engage around, you know, what it is you do. That's right. Um, So you talked about a single thought leadership topic. And, I, you know, I think thought leadership is something Clearly, when you have a long sales cycle and you have a complex offering, uh, you know, and and your company like Equifax, right? You are thought leaders. You're in the leader quadrant. Um, talk about that. What what is thought leadership to you? How is it the same thing as content? Is it different than content? Is it a type of content? Like what what is thought leadership? To yeah. You? So first, I I I view thought leadership as different from content. Mm-hmm. Certainly, content can be created from that thought leadership Mm -hmm. topic. Mm -hmm. But in my experience, it's really important that companies develop a perspective Mm -hmm. on an issue and be able to take that issue into multiple different dimensions. Mm -hmm. So for example, at Equifax, um, you know, we're in a kind of an interesting macroeconomic climate right now. In fact, Mm -hmm. we were talking about it just Mm -hmm. a few minutes ago, right? And the fact that, you know, we've got rising prices, we've still got a strong employment market, what's the Fed going to do with interest rates? These are um, topics that are very, um, we have a perspective on, Mm -hmm. we have solutions Mm -hmm. that um, customers can lean into and use to help them navigate the uncertainty. So making sure that you identify what that topic is, is the first step to making sure that you have a good content strategy and an overarching campaign. I, th- I think that's excellent. And, and you know, it also takes um, courage and confidence to have a perspective, right? And, and sometimes uh, people don't want to have a perspective, right? They want to talk about issues but not take a perspective. And I do think that is also the difference between content, right? Absolutely. Is, and thought leadership, right? Absolutely. It, the word leader <laughs> is in thought leadership. Um, Okay, well, we are going to be back in just a moment with Laura Trotter on The Marketing Madhouse. Spring is here and baseball is back. You can't forget the derby. I love the hats. 
Do you have yours yet? My hat? I treated myself to a whole outfit. If you want to be able to treat yourself, then you should check out the Nest Savings Account at LGE Community Credit Union, where they want you to reach your savings goals faster. Take it from a pair of 680 The Fan wives. Head to lgeccu.org to find out what makes their team number one in Georgia. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. And we are back with the Marketing Madhouse and our guest today, Laura Trotter. So we were talking about thought leadership and um, you know taking a perspective. Um, and uh, you were talking about um, being able to go different directions with something, and that could be for different audiences that are experiencing different realities, or it could be different um, situational you know things that are happening. But talk a little bit. I think you have used uh, a phrase with me a few times: reuse, refresh, recycle. So, yeah. so talk about that idea. Yeah. Well, first of all. I didn't come up with that phrase. Yep. Somebody on my team came up with mm-hmm. it, so um, kudos to them. Yes, I love that phrase. Um, and I like what it connotes because, again, if you go back to that um, that thought leadership you know, pillar, that perspective that you're trying to develop, if you can create a one meaty piece of content. So at Equifax, for example, we started a podcast and a webinar called Market Pulse during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And that is our thoroughbred in terms of the content that Mm -hmm. we generate. We do this um, two things every single Mm -hmm. month, and we take that content and we literally chunk it out. Mm -hmm. We create uh, short form content, we create social, we create um, ebooks, we create all different sorts of little video snippets Mm -hmm. and whatnot, and we can use that in multiple different channels. And so that's what I like to think of that reuse, refresh, and recycle. This is going to sound totally old-fashioned or, or t- something from, from some archaic time. But, and, and I received that market pulse. But, you know, I, it reminds me of um, we used to have newsletter publishing, yes. right? And the thing I will say, and, and these were printed newsletters that mm-hmm. I actually mailed to people, but what was great about that was that you had to have the discipline to stop and have editorial discussions about topics and you knew you had to establish a cadence to be credible and and you know so that there is some really some wonderful things that come with we got to say something we have to have the perspective and so we can't overthink this or wait until next quarter you know it it really does make you keep having a perspective that's um, right which is really important um Talk for a minute about, um, and and we've got some time, so I want to dig down um, into this. You know, it it sounds like, oh, we came up with this thoroughbred market pulse and we have the things, but it's it's hard to, first of all, agree to what the thing will be. And when you have so many different um, assets and so many different types of content that I'm assuming different team members have to be involved in to, to create how do you do that? How do you get everybody on the same page about what it is? Uh, so talk a little bit about how did you decide on Market Pulse? Who decided on Market Pulse? And then I, I have some more questions about how you keep it going yeah. after, you, after you get it out of the gate the first time. That's a great question. And I, I, the, my answer might be interesting because I would say it was a little bit of strategy and mm-hmm. a little bit of luck. Yep. 
So as I mentioned, you know, Market Pulse, um, the, the, the podcast and the webinar came about during the pandemic. And candidly, we went there because we were really heavily invested in in-person events. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, when COVID hit, you know, all of that shut down. And so we moved to virtual events and mm-hmm. we discovered that our audience really, really liked it. Mm-hmm. But as people started, the world started opening back up. The attendance and the registration of of Market Pulse started to dip, mm-hmm. and so we thought, oh well, maybe mm-hmm. it's going to die a natural mm-hmm. death. And then, um, again, we were you know kind of brainstorming. We have a great um, number of subject matter experts at Equifax; these all these risk advisors and whatnot. And we have a um, a chat channel with mm-hmm. them, and mm-hmm. we all we go back and forth and talk about mm-hmm. you know what's happening and what what bank was announcing mm-hmm. what. And we were like, wow, this is something we think our customers would really be interested in. Right, we're sharing yeah. all these amazing in-the-moment insights. Yeah. yeah. And so we um, we hosted a, a, a single Market Pulse webinar and podcast mm-hmm. on the topic of recession readiness, is mm-hmm. what we called it mm-hmm. originally. And the, 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 the impact was huge. I mean, we had great you know, engagement, lots mm-hmm. of registration. And then we started asking our customers, mm-hmm. what do you want to hear about? Mm-hmm. What do you want to talk about? Mm-hmm. And they gave us that the feedback. Mm-hmm. And so it was a little bit of a combination yep. of what we were hearing yep. just in the larger market, but then also what our customers were telling yep. us as well. And so combine the two. And yeah. 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 No, and, and I um, I don't want to um, overtax the, the newsletter Um uh, it, it's it's the same discipline, but the, mm-hmm. you know the thing that you brought up that was interesting was that whole asking the customers what they want to hear again. Because I do think often the universe presents opportunities for you to take a position or mm-hmm. have a perspective, and it's a moment in time thing. But you know, again, I think this is what makes the best marketers and the best salespeople are those that are innovating alongside their customers that are constantly having that dialogue. What are you seeing? What are you doing? How is that impacting? And then you're constantly refining a, an always fresh you know, perspective that's based on that. Um, yeah, I, I want to make a comment yeah, on that yeah. because I think that's so mm-hmm. such important. I mean, not only is it important to listen to your customers, but to your point, it does require a lot of coordination and strategic discussions with your internal teams as well, too, mm-hmm. because um, we, you know, we have a campaign manager, and of course, she can put together, um, like you mentioned, the content yeah. map and all that. Yeah. But that requires the coordination across multiple teams. We also have an industry marketing team, and so what they're responsible for is taking that information that is developed, the content, if you will, that's developed more from a generic perspective, and then customizing that for the individual market that they represent. So mm-hmm. they're taking that information around, you know, how do you mitigate risk but still grow in an mm-hmm. uncertain market, but looking at that from through the lens of automotive industry or yeah. fintech. Yeah. So. You know, it's uh, something that, that I see sometimes, um, you know, that it goes back to that question about the difference between content marketing and thought leadership and are they the same thing? And, of course, I know I, I have a perspective on the answer to that question, yeah. but, you know, I, I agree with you. You know, I think sometimes people get an infrastructure and a topical outline and then they push down to more junior people and say, go, go you know, 
study what people are talking about, see which, you know, terms rank high on SEO, and then write a, write our content, right? Do our content. And, and they think that is thought leadership, right? Mm-hmm. It's creating content around things people talk about. That is not thought mm-hmm. leadership. No. That is content. That's right. I mean, it's just, you know, content that you think is going to be engaged with, right? Which is different than taking a position and a perspective and, and kind of drawing people to you around places that you have unique value, unique perspective. Um, one of the things, so I've used the word discipline. You've talked a lot about, you know, working with the team and sort of that coordination. And, mm-hmm. and I know that you've got lots of different players and you're orchestrating. Um, and one of the things that I see a lot is the the reinventing the wheel. And I think you have talked about new week, new channel yes. syndrome. <laughs> so can we talk about that? Because, I, you know, a, a big part of in the agency business, a big part of justifying your existence is we're not here to just help you make more stuff, right? Mm-hmm. If, if the stuff you have is working, keep using it and use it more, right? And, or if you need new stuff because the world is totally different, then stop using your old stuff and, you know. But talk about this new week, new channel, because we see it all the time. People come in and it's, you know, it's a new quarter. I need a new thing. So what do you see? How, how does that affect you, you know, uh, corporate side, you know, in a company? What is new week, new channel syndrome? Yeah, I, I liken it to um, ADHD and marketing. Mm-hmm. It's really um, interesting to me, the number of people that literally just want to move on to the next thing mm-hmm. week after week. And, 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 and by the way, not appreciating the fact that doing so actually lessens the impact of what you're going to have in the market. Mm-hmm. So I think it's 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 not unusual when you're like you're talking about uh, the market and recession readiness and how, you know, you, you get maybe you yourself are getting bored with this topic, mm-hmm. but your customers are still really keen to mm-hmm. understand and by the way, if you think that you've reached everyone with mm-hmm. your message, think again because so you likely contrary. have not. So I mean yep. if you go back to, you know, marketing 101 and the reach versus mm-hmm. frequency, that frequency thing matters. Yep. So um, you know, making sure that you continuously hit on these topics in multiple different channels and by the way that you're not flipping on all the channels all at the same time mm-hmm. and that you're mindful about that yep. I think is another really strategic uh, decision. You know, I think um, that whole idea of, uh, I, I had a boss that used to talk about until you are completely sick to death of seeing something like, oh my God, I just, I don't want to see that article again. Or, oh my God, that phrase that we use to talk right. about the thing, I'm so tired of it. Well, then maybe somebody might just now begin to be seeing it because from the inside, you've been talking about it internally. You've been reviewing content creative. You've been noodling on it. You've been doing edit rounds and you have engaged with this thing for a long time before it ever launches in the world. But especially in the B2B space, um, and I see this with people who have moved from consumer environments and come into a B2B environment, they expect to launch something and that piece of content to be irrelevant in a day or an hour or a week. But it could take months and months for the idea to take hold for you to engage the right people around it and to create an opportunity to have a discussion. Um, so I think, you know, that that is another thing, too, like giving giving the content the time it needs to do the work with people. Um, out of curiosity, is there 
are there parts of your business that it's easier to do that with than others? Like, is there, you know, you said ADHD and marketing. Yeah. Are there, are there some parts of the business that are constantly, consistently changing and others where you can you can work an idea longer or? No? Yes and no. Mm-hmm. I mean, we you have to be nimble. I mean, like, mm-hmm. even with this kind of overarching campaign and the, you know, the, the, what we the, it's now called Focus on Ford, as you know. Mm-hmm. Um, we still, you know, meet on a regularly basis, regular basis, mm-hmm. and make sure are we are we addressing everything that we need to address? Mm-hmm. Are we talking about the right thing? Do we need to pivot? Do we need to do more here, less? Mm-hmm. So I think it's about um, you do need to, to to be fresh, but I don't think you things change that much where you need to completely veer off your mm-hmm. your thought leadership mm-hmm. topic unless the market mm-hmm. massively changes. Mm-hmm. I, I do think too that you know in in the market where I think people talk more about always on mm-hmm. and, and evergreen campaigns, you know that's where uh, let's just use the example of focus on forward. I think it's a very open idea. Like you might have to keep having conversations about what is forward right that's now, right. but that's right. Not oh my gosh, we got to throw that. You know, yeah. And I think that is that is something that is. Um, a challenge for people to really kind of say, isn't that a general term? Yes, by design it's general because it's going to mean different things over over the life of this campaign. That's right. Um, when we were talking, you know, in, in advance of doing this, and I, I think it's very interesting that you, again, had that sales background early mm-hmm. on. Uh, and actually, I want to I want to stop on that for a minute. Yeah. What did you What did you sell? I sold drugs in Florida. Okay, so like... Uh, legal drugs. Yes, but I mean, legal yeah, drugs. Yeah, yeah. Right. So like pharma rep. That's right. Like I was a pharmaceutical sales rep. That's right. I was a pharmaceutical sales representative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you had your little wheeling bag. I had a wheeling bag and a trunk in. full of, of, of samples. My dad was a pharmacist, yeah. so I know all about the people showing up with, mm-hmm. the, with the trunk. Um, uh, I, I sold enterprise software. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, it, it really... It's just so interesting, you know, to to have been a salesperson before you're confronted with marketing. Because, in my case, um, it was very our materials uh, and you know our our advertising, our um, our our brochures that were used kind of deeper in the sales cycle, closer to conversion, were terrible. They didn't mm-hmm. they didn't do any of the things that I needed them to do as a salesperson. And so my first experience working with an agency was trying to get the materials that I needed to help me, you know, overcome objections and close gaps in the sales process. And so I think my introduction to marketing is is what you really hope for it to be, right? Yeah. It's to sort of facilitate that. Um, but so I, I ask this because, um, you know, one of, the, one of the things that we had talked about was the difference between lead generation and demand generation. And so often companies will come into the fold with us and depending on how sales forward the organization is or how customer or market centric the organization is uh, different people have more authority uh, or you know are squeakier wheels and um, can really create the whole infrastructure that marketing is designed around and so can you talk a little bit about lead gen demand gen and what are the differences yeah between i think there's a huge difference so lead gen to me um focuses on quantity like a number mm-hmm. um and demand gen is around quality and so you know anytime and i just recently had a, a a very senior sales leader come up to me and say you know i 
I need your team to do lead gen. And I looked at him and I said, you know, because I can get you a list of names and mm-hmm. phone numbers and email addresses and that won't take, you know, five minutes. I can mm-hmm. do that yep. if that's what you want. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that's what you're saying. Right. I think what you're telling me is that you want people that are raising their hands that's right Mm -hmm. that are truly qualified and want you know they've already like it's been exposed to a little bit and they want they're raising their hands and saying Mm -hmm. i'm interested in hearing more that's different that's Mm -hmm. demand generation and i think that marketers sometimes get wrapped around the axle of hey i created 500 leads Mm -hmm. right you know i delivered 500 leads to sales Mm -hmm. this week so Mm -hmm. (laughs) i would rather have three really good qualified leads that turn into opportunities than the 500 that end up, you know, wasting everyone's time. You know, I uh, find a lot of um, a lot of organizations don't understand the labels, right? You, I've mm-hmm. seen lead mm-hmm. gen teams that were called demand gen, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's it's a very clear quantity mm-hmm. expectation or KPI. Um, also, we might do demand gen work for people, and all anybody wants to talk about is conversion metrics. And when they're talking about conversion, they mean convert to customer, not convert into deeper into the funnel or, you know. Right. Um, how are you structured at Equifax in terms of that? Because I think that is also an evolution. You know, if, if you go back 10 or 15 years, right, there, as, as a lot of technologies came on in marketing automation, all of a sudden, everybody had a either lead gen or demand gen team, but it was still very much about leads. That's right. Um, so, so where are you right now? We have a demand generation team, okay. and we do. Um, I mean, we're a data driven company, so mm-hmm. it's it, uh, so we do track our leads. However, there is no goal associated with my team on how many leads that are created. We mainly want to make sure that the leads that are created are they converting into opportunities and all are those opportunities converting into close one revenue mm-hmm. so that at the end of the day is what i care about yeah. and so and i think the other thing you mentioned marketing automation tools um, you know marketing automation has been great and it's a fantastic um, element of a of a of, of a company's martech stack but ultimately i think it's also given us a false understanding of what what is really working in mm-hmm. terms of driving demand, not driving mm-hmm. legion, but driving demand. Mm-hmm. Because if you think about it, marketing automation tools can only capture information that occurs online. But think about the things mm-hmm. that happen offline. Mm-hmm. Think about the person that, you know, that dialed into the podcast or the, mm-hmm. sorry, the webinar or, or mm-hmm. tuned into the podcast or had a great conversation with mm-hmm. your salesperson at an industry event. That mm-hmm. doesn't get captured. Mm-hmm in a marketing automation tool. I, I love that you bring that up because this is something that we talk about a lot. Um, you know, just uh, when you talk about the agency space, a lot of people say, are you a digital agency? And, you know, there's a digital core. And I think it's false to, is 90% of what we do in the mm-hmm. digital sphere? Absolutely. Yeah. But let's not pretend that's where $3 million sales are made. That's right. Or, Whatever, right? Fifty thousand dollars. There, there is so much that happens that has to happen, peer, peer to peer. 
uh, in the thought leadership and then mm-hmm. people being able to stop and absorb think tools and calculators in ways that they can look at their own business and mm-hmm. evaluate that clearly happens offline it's not something mm-hmm. necessarily that you're you're doing and I think that is so important it's something important to us you know in terms of of the ideas because I think people are so quick especially like topically we're talking about content people think that means you turn on an engine and you start pumping characters out through digital channels Mm -hmm. but really what you want to do is understand where there is a either lack of understanding or there's some perspective alignment that if we had it we we could have some mutual value exchange Mm -hmm. Um, and then you want to surround people with that content but that doesn't just mean pumping characters out that's right that's right yeah um we're going to come back in a minute, uh, and I want to talk a little bit about measurement. I think we've talked about that with this quantity and quality, um, but uh, I want to kind of uh, go into measurement, and then uh, we're we're gonna have a little uh, a little. We're gonna let our hair down. We're gonna go crazy a little since since it's the madhouse. We're <laughs> gonna go crazy for a minute, uh, but I will be right back with my guest, Laura Trotter. Spring is here, and baseball is back. You can't forget the derby. I love the hats. Do you have yours yet? My hat? I treated myself to a whole outfit. If you want to be able to treat yourself, then you should check out the Nest Savings Account at LGE Community Credit Union, where they want you to reach your savings goals faster. Take it from a pair of 680 The Fan wives. Head to lgeccu.org to find out what makes their team number one in Georgia. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. We are back with our guest, Laura Trotter, and the Marketing Madhouse. And I just want to close out the topic we were on, and then we're going to talk about something fun. Um, But just for a second, measurement. So we talked about quantity and quality of leads. Um, How do you measure? I know it's a huge open-ended question, but is, is there a simple way to say, I'm interested in X? I think you talked about quality of revenue. or yeah. Well, so we measure um, the the we measure a variety of different mm-hmm. ways, but I would say the biggest telltale sign of someone saying, "Hey, I'm interested," is inbound. It's mm-hmm. like someone coming inbound mm-hmm. via our website or via mm-hmm. our phone or whatever mm-hmm. and saying, "Hey, I'd like to talk to a salesperson." Mm-hmm. That is a qualified lead. Right, yeah. right, right, right. Because that's that's in, not only intent, but that's you know, right. I'm doing but, something. But getting yeah. someone like, and we we look, we do search engine marketing. Mm-hmm. We have some display ads on occasion, yeah. that kind of thing. But just because someone clicked on an ad, that does not mean that they're mm-hmm. necessarily qualified. You yeah, know, for a salesperson to speak to, I want to get qualified people, hand raisers over to sales. Yeah, yeah. No, I think it's so important because I think there's a lot of. Um, uh, a lot of you know lead stuffing. A lot of things you can do to generate false traffic and right. supposedly show that you're performing. And you don't want to do any of that. You want the real people that are interested to be able to step forward. That's right. Um, okay, so this is the marketing madhouse. And uh, uh, props to my uh, my beloved prince. Let's go crazy uh, for a minute. Um, Marketing is crazy. Uh, I have had a long career in marketing, and people ask for crazy things. You find yourself in in insane situations. You know, sometimes you're very resource constrained. So. 
floor is yours. What is something really crazy that you have experienced? Tell us about. So yes, marketing is crazy. I have lots of stories. In fact, one day I'm going to write that book. Please but do. But I have um, a, a situation that was actually it's actually kind of on me. Mm-hmm. It was an embarrassing situation, but I mm-hmm. learned a lot from it. So first, a little bit of context. Um, I worked, this was over 20 years ago, mm-hmm. and I wor- was working for a big Fortune 500 company, mm-hmm. and we um, hosted, planned, and executed a big bespoke um, conference. Mm-hmm. 5,000 um, wow. industry, you know, uh, customers, prospects, mm-hmm. press analysts, the mm-hmm. whole kit and caboodle. And this particular, it was an annual thing, and this mm-hmm. particular year, we, um, it was right SARS had hit and mm-hmm, we were mm-hmm. we had pulled we were pulling uh, customers in from all over the world and we weren't sure whether we were going to have mm-hmm. the conference but at the last minute we mm-hmm. said we're going to do it we're, we're going to go for it mm-hmm. and so we this was back this is I mean we still had email back mm-hmm. then but there's still a lot of print yeah and so one of the things that we did to for audience acquisition purposes is we had a literal printed, you know, right. mailer. You're that a would mailer. Go out. Come to the conference. Yeah. Yeah. And so we spent a lot of time developing the theme of the conference and the, you know, the the the, the copy and all this kind of stuff. But it was we were under the gun from a timing perspective mm-hmm. because of this whole SARS complication. Mm-hmm. And so we uh, developed this beautiful mailer, and it was like an odd size, not a standard mm-hmm. size. Custom fold, die cut, custom die longer cut. print. Yeah. Yep. And um, it was sent, and by the way, reviewed and approved, mm-hmm. including myself and everybody and their, their mm-hmm. brother in mm-hmm. the organization. And it went out. And um, unfortunately, I was going through a divorce at the time. Mm-hmm. Okay. And my my ex-husband worked in the industry and he received an invitation in the and mail. Did he enjoy calling you to tell you? He that enjoyed he, very he much okay. calling okay. me okay. Um, on my way home from work one day to tell me, to ask me like, hey, when's the, when, what's the date Ugh. of the conference? Mm, I was like, what do you, you. mean? Mm-hmm. What's the date of the conference? And he was like, well, you're, I got this, you know, this invitation mm-hmm. in the mail and it doesn't have a date on it. So yeah, so yeah, we sent out mm-hmm. thousands of mm-hmm. really expensive printed, you know, mm-hmm. invitations to a conference that mm-hmm. did not contain a date. And so look, I think that, you know, the 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 lesson that I learned and it was on multiple things. Obviously, mm-hmm. you could talk about slowing down and making mm-hmm. sure and all this kind of stuff. But the biggest lesson that I learned in that particular um process is that when I found out what I had done, I went to my boss, certain that I was going to be fired. Right. Certain. Yep. Yep. And I said, hey, mm-hmm. I messed Here's what up. Happened. Here's mm-hmm. what happened. I want to fix it. I mm-hmm. have an idea. This is what I can do, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. And that person was so gracious and so understanding that I was like, wow, that's what leadership looks like. And mm-hmm. also, you know, of course, you know, helped me think through the solution and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But it was a great learning lesson just about leadership and just, you know, obviously mm-hmm. I'll never forget a date on a printed piece ever yeah. again. Yeah. So. Oh, my. Yeah. But, and, yeah, and so it is crazy, you know, when you do have so many people looking at things. Like, mm-hmm. uh, you do have to have a buck stop somewhere because yeah. you can have ten people look at something and, and miss something. Absolutely. Um it's also interesting. Uh, I I had a, an experience early in my career uh, that uh, I I did not dedupe a list. I I 
requested that something be deduped, but they included yeah. rather than removing the duplicates. So I was uh, instructed that I had not used English, remove the duplicates. I had used jargon, dedupe. <laughs> um, and I thought that the mail house would understand that, but they did not. Um, but we ended up mailing a campaign that offered a discount to people who had just purchased at a higher oh, price. yeah. So uh, there was revenue. And the person that, that oversaw me said, you have cost me more than any employee ever has tell me why I shouldn't fire you. Mm. And I justified why they shouldn't fire me, and they did not fire me. But it's, it, it's very interesting, too. You learn a lot about the people around you, you know, how, how they react. Mm-hmm to, you know, things that you don't think you're going to live through in in the moment. I did think for a moment, like, maybe if I don't say anything, no one will notice. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I was like, no, that's not the right path. It's not going to work. Well, I appreciate the the share uh, because, you know, I think people learn, you know, people think anything that goes wrong. They think I'm the only one Mm -hmm. or, you know, this this is horrible or I'm not going to live through this or I'm going to get fired. Right. um, I appreciate the share um, because, you know, it, it is unbelievable how many times these things happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to close out uh, today. Uh, you know, one of the things, you know, we talk a lot about specific disciplines and, and subject matter expertise. But at the end of the day, you got into marketing because you loved an aspect of it. And, you know, I think for most of us who've been in this career for a long time, you know, we are looking back now down the road and forward, and and we're really appreciating companies that are masters at the big M marketing, right? Really strategic marketing. Um, And so I want to talk uh, for a second about um, a couple of, of aspects of a company. So, you know, it is hard to do these three things well, to both brand in the market, you know, have an excellent product marketing solution, marketing brand, to um, have an employer brand, so to really resonate internally and culturally, and then to do good in the world, right? Be, be a good corporate citizen in the community. And so just kind of, you know, thinking about all the companies you're exposed to, and it could be, you know, a, a neighborhood company, it could be, you know, a huge company a peer that you've read about over the years i think we were talking earlier about harvard business review you know you could have read about them in harvard business review but you know what company do you think uh or a few companies do you think do a great job of checking most if not all of those boxes first of all i love this question Mm -hmm. um and i can actually think of several companies that i Mm -hmm. personally admire but Mm -hmm. the one that stands out i think the most for me is the company Dave's Killer Bread. Are you okay. familiar yes, with this? Yes, I am. Okay. I have some on so the counter I, at home. I, I, yeah, <laughs> I, I, um, I, mean, I love the product. That's how I first came aware, mm-hmm. became aware of it. You know, it has all these like, neat little seeds and crusty mm-hmm. bits on the outside of the bread, and they sell it at Costco now, and so it's a pretty big company. Um, but I fell in love with the product first. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I... Um, as a, as a result of a previous uh, company that I worked for, um, I discovered that the the one of the founders of that company um, is a, a convicted criminal, mm. and he started or, or um, he and another person started a foundation called Dave's Killer Bread Foundation mm-hmm. that um, focuses on second chance hiring, mm. and so um, I learned that in the U.S. One out of every four 
people has a has a criminal background. I, and, and by the way, wow. I, you know, I, that's that number shocks me. And there's most, four people in this room. I so know, I'm looking right? around. Um, <laughs> and so, and most of the convictions are drug related. Mm-hmm. They're not, you know, mm-hmm. so not violent the, yeah, crime. exactly, yeah. Not violent mm-hmm. crime. And if you've ever applied for a job, mm-hmm. sometimes the, the 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 application will ask you, "Have you ever been convicted of, of a crime?" crime? Mm-hmm. And um, that one, that answer to that box um, speaks to that person's, you know, ability to, you know, provide for their family, provide for mm-hmm. themselves, become a, you know, a law-abiding citizen right. again. Right. There's a as a big correlation between. Um, people that have been in prison mm-hmm. um, and recidiv- recidivism. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and the ability to, and whether getting a job, how important getting a job mm-hmm. is after mm-hmm. being in prison. And so, um, I really they they've they've really gone about educating companies around the importance of second chance employment, and um, to the degree where they have actually influenced laws being passed in certain states and cities and jurisdictions called ban the box. And that ban the Mm. box is that question on an application that says, have you ever been convicted of a criminal? So I just love that. I just love the fact that, you know, he took a very personal experience, turned himself into this, you know, great owner and founder of this company and then turned that into, you know, returning um, that gift back into thing, and they to this day they mm-hmm. still hire. You know, that's amazing. Yeah, I think fifty percent of their employees are um, ex-convicts. You that know? is a, that is yeah. amazing. I I have heard. Um, I, I wish I could think of the company. There's a um, it's a hot dog company in Chicago that I I saw on you know like morning news one morning, and it was a very similar story. Um, I hadn't heard that about Beyond the Box though. I think that's really interesting because. Um, a lot of the uh, major employers, um, you know, you kind of talked about you become aware of something. You know, Sometimes it's product first. Sometimes it's things like this, right? You become yeah. aware this way and then you learn about the product. But I think it's really interesting because they went from a mission focus to, the, to a true how do we change the environment, right, um, which I, I like to talk about is, is the difference. It, it is not activism. It's actionism, right? Mm-hmm. It is like I'm, I'm going to go make something happen, uh, not just talk about an issue. Um, so that, that is a, a fantastic example. I love it. And, uh, and they have a good product. That's you know, right. I, I, you know that, I mean, that's the one thing that goes without saying. I think there are a lot of companies that – Want to do good and have a good story, but if you don't have a good product, that's right. It's only going to take that's you so right. far, right? That's so right. You you do kind of have to get mastery in all the areas. Um, all right, I'm going to throw you a wild card uh, to to wrap up. Is there any advice you have for other CMOs out there? So uh, you're you're newer at Equifax, I think, uh, in the last year, a little over a year. Mm-hmm. Um, what's your What's your parting advice for aspiring CMOs? Uh, know your customer, mm-hmm. um, know your product, mm-hmm. and connect the two, you mm-hmm. know, and, and understand the magic between those two. That would mm-hmm. be my first thing is like, mm-hmm. that's the most important thing. And I think the second thing is like, just trust your gut. Mm-hmm. If you're at the point in your career where you're being afforded the opportunity to lead um, and grow other individuals and in, in marketing or, or whatever it is that you're doing, um, you know, there's a reason why you're there. 
And so you've obviously done some good things and you probably know what to do. Mm-hmm. So trust your gut. Yep. Believe in yourself. Yeah. I yeah. think that's fantastic advice. And I also love the know your product, know your customer, because I do think for, for those that are going through an interview, they often think they're supposed to be talking about how much they know about marketing, Mm-mm. where I think the, the real showcase is when you say, I, I understand this to be the case with what you're trying to do and who I understand your customer to be and what I know about customers like those. Um, so I think that's a really uh, interesting point about connecting that dot between the product and the customer. Excellent, excellent advice. Uh, a good time here. Um, I really appreciate you coming on the show. So thank you, Laura Trotter. Uh, and uh, please join us uh, next time uh, where we are going to talk about that fine line between genius and insanity and walk it here on the Marketing Madhouse. Spring is here and baseball is back. You can't forget the Derby. I love the hats. Do you have yours yet? My hat? I treated myself to a whole outfit. If you want to be able to treat yourself, then you should check out the Nest Savings Account at LGE Community Credit Union, where they want you to reach your savings goals faster. Take it from a pair of 680 The Fan wives. Head to lgeccu.org to find out what makes their team number one in Georgia. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. The fan is ready for brave season. Are you? 3-1 smoked high in the air, deep center field, and heading for the horizon. A home run by Olsen. We're streaming every game of the Braves 2024 season free on the 680 The Fan app. So make sure you download it now and don't miss a pitch of the Braves this season.